hear PGA and LPGA legends, pros, top instructors and media members from around the country sharing their stories, insights and playing lessons every week right here on Next on the Tee. Take it away, Chris. And now through September 30th, we're ha- they're having a promotion. $20 off purchases of $100 and $50 off purchases of $250 for online purchases only. Go online to PGATourSuperstore.com and take advantage of this sale today. Again, only lasting through September the 30th. Now back with me and making his seventh appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, Maryland, which is in the northern part of Maryland near the Virginia and West Virginia border. Played his college golf at Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sun Belt Championship, and as a senior, he won it by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sun Belt Conference Championships. He's a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being a medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour qualifying tournament at TPC Sawgrass, winning by a record 14 strokes. He played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1998, won twice on the regular tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record, having shot rounds of 65, 64, 65, 64 at Oak Hill. He won once on what was then the Buy.com Tour, now the Web.com Tour, at the 2000 Lakeland Classic. Donnie also won the 1982 Florida Open. Over the course of his career, he had 46 top 10 finishes, and he made the cut a whopping 70% of the time that he teed it up. And I'm honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, how are you, my friend? Chris, doing well. Doing well. You're sounding good this evening. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Well, Donnie, I've seen you teeing it up a little lately out on the Champions Tour. Are we going to get to see you out there a little bit more during the 2019 season? Yeah, actually, I'm coming up to Raleigh here in a couple weeks, getting my game ready for that. Uh, The qualifier there, the SAS tournament, love that area. Uh, It's a great tournament, great food there, too. That's got to be the best uh, lunch on the Champions Tour. So I'm really going to try hard to make that one. And then uh going to give the tour school a try this year, the senior tour school. Both stages are in Florida, so I can play, you know, the first one's in Lakeland and then get through that, and I'll be able to play the TPC Tampa for the finals. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough one. You don't, they only give away five cards, but, uh, you know, you get the putter hot. Never know. Yeah, pulling hard for you. Hopefully we get the opportunity to follow those tournaments online. So uh, good luck. I'm pulling hard. I hope uh, things work out. Looking forward to having you back out on the Champions Tour next season, Donnie. Thank you. Donnie, I was talking with Ted Purdy about this earlier, and I want to get your reaction to today's announcement regarding the changes to the FedEx Cup for next season. The FedEx Cup leader is going to come into the Tour Championship at East Lake. You know, they're going to start. It's going to be, I guess, like a stroke play sort of thing, right? The event the event leader is going to start out at 10 under par. The person in second place is going to be 8 under par. Third place at 7 under par and on down the line. What are your thoughts about the Tour Championship starting with a leaderboard setup like that? Well, it kind of fits in with sports a little bit in general. But, you know, to start the guy out in the lead, uh, I don't know. You know, they've been tweaking this, this, these finals and the format now for 10 years or so. 
Uh, I don't guess they seem to have gotten it where they want it, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it'll bring some interest into the tournament, and you know, kind of like that race where you do with the kids, you know, swimming race. You start the the little one out ahead, you know, give him like eight yards, and then you let the older one go, and then by the time they make the run, they get back. So I guess that's the theory, um, you know, with the lead, and it'll be interesting to see how it works out next year. But I think uh, it will be interesting. That that's for sure. Donnie, where I struggle with it, it seems a bit contrived to set it up that way. And I was talking about this with Ted Purdy earlier as well. And and I guess what uh, I would be concerned with, if I'm Bryson DeChambeau and I'm coming in with a large points lead, to think that that is now just a two-stroke lead, it seems like, you know, for all the work that I did, winning two tournaments and getting, you know, a several thousand point lead, that that's only now two strokes that could be gone in two holes. I don't know. I'm struggling with that. Do you really think this could work? I don't think it's going to be improvement on the way they have right now because, you know, when you come into the finals and there's five guys that could win, if the guy that's fourth or fifth wins the tournament, then he can win, he, he can win the FedEx Cup, basically. Uh, you know, that cuts it down pretty good. That makes it kind of an elimination where, you know, say Tiger wins, you know, he needs help from those first five guys. They have to finish, you know, sixth, eighth, twelfth or whatever, you know, for Tiger to be able to slide in. So, um, you know, if I had to vote between the two, I'd leave it like it is right now. I think they have it pretty fine tuned now. Uh, but you know, they can always try it for a year, I guess. Donnie, they've also added a $10 million bonus for the guys who finish ranked in the top 10 during the regular season, sort of a regular season champion, if you will. The guy ranked number one is going to get a $2 million bonus and then all, all the way down to number 10, who's going to get a half a million dollars. Will that get guys to play in more events next season? Or are there demands on the time of you guys out on tour? Is it too much to be able to figure out how to get in one or two more events, even with something like this bonus put in place? Now, I think, I think it, you could adjust the schedule a little bit toward the end of the year. You're probably not thinking about adding tournaments in the middle of the year or the beginning of the year because, you know, they, they just fit together for you. You know, you see two or three events that you like. And then you see a week that you're not crazy about. That's the week you're taking off. And then there's two more, maybe take a week off and then a stretch, maybe a four in a row that you definitely want to play. So there's not a lot of time to really add tournaments during the year. As you get toward maybe three quarters of the way done, that's when you could maybe add a tournament if you're, you know, looking to maybe stay in the top 10 on that ranking. But the guys are making, you know, a lot of money to be able to add you know, a little bit, a hundred thousand here or there at the end of the year to change your schedule that much. I don't, I don't think it'll, it'll help a whole lot. Donnie, we also have a lot of rules changes set to come into play in January. Any of them stick out to you that you thought to yourself, boy, this one was long overdue. Well, I like, uh, I like being able to tap down certain spike marks, but I hope, hopefully it doesn't slow the game down because you could get some really big spike marks, you know, on a four-footer that you would just, you know, you're looking at it close. It's not a ball mark. You know it's a spike mark. And if you roll it over that, you know, there's a good chance you're not going to make that putt, you know, from four feet maybe. So uh, I like that, but hopefully it's not where guys are walking 30 feet to the hole, tapping things down as they go. And then, you know, for TV, I don't think that would work out that that well, uh, you know, lengthening the, the game another five minutes or so on TV. Uh, kind of interesting, though, some of the changes, leave, being able to leave the pin in, 
uh, different drops. Uh, I guess certain certain of the changes will help speed up the game a little bit. I think they reduce the time you can look for a ball, isn't it, to three minutes? Yeah, that's probably good. If you if you can't find it in three minutes, it's it's probably gone. So, a friend of mine hit a tee shot, Chris, and he uh, hit it off the tee. Didn't have great eyesight, and he hits it out there, and he looks at the caddy, and he says, "Where is it?" Caddy pulls the ball out of his pocket and says, "It's right here." Larry gives it to him. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need the three minutes. It's gone. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> And, Donnie, did you ever have a crazy rule like the wind moving your ball on the green or being unable to fix a spike mark or anything like that that negatively impacted you? Well, funny you should mention that. The first year on tour, I was playing Bay Hill, and I'm playing with the great Jack Nicklaus and David Graham. And we get off the ninth green, and we're all in pretty good shape. Maybe 10th place, 15th place. We're all kind of right up there pretty good. And I think Jack went into the clubhouse to grab a little something. We're standing on the 10th tee, and David said, Donnie, let's just hit. I said, yeah, let's hit. I'm ready. So I hit. David Graham hit down the fairway. Jack comes out. He looks around, and David says, yes, Jack, we've hit. And Jack says, okay, and he hits down the middle. And we're walking down the fairway, and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my shoulder, and he said, and it's Jack. He said, Donnie, I know you guys were hitting to speed up play, but penalty if you hit out a turn. And I said, you're kidding. He said, yeah, we better check on that. Well, we ended up checking on it, and we found out that it is actually a two-stroke penalty if you do it knowingly. If we would have done it by accident, to my understanding, it wouldn't have been a penalty. But now, all of a sudden, the first guy that hits gets penalized two strokes. David didn't get penalized, just the first guy. So it was kind of a thing on TV. I think Lee Trevino was saying, how do they let this happen to this young rookie? And and here I am playing with Jack Nicklaus. So it was, um, you know, it's not Jack's fault, nobody's fault. I didn't. I certainly didn't know that rule, being a rookie on tour. But, uh, but it was two strokes and then, you know, kind of fell apart the last couple of holes and it was uh, kind of a bad finish. So that was... That was kind of one of the craziest things with rules, I think, that happened to me, and that was my first year. So why was it a two-stroke penalty on you, but not on David Graham? That's what I was wondering. I don't know. It's like the first guy that hits, it's a penalty. The second guy doesn't get penalized. I, I think they may have showed, showed it to me in the rule book, but I was half in shock uh, after everything, so I didn't, I, I didn't need to look at the rule book. Donnie, another change going into effect next season is the schedule, including the Players' Championship moving to March, the PGA Championship moves to May, and the Tour Championship is going to happen in mid-August. What are your thoughts on those tournaments being moved around? Well, the PGA is going to be, you know, that's going to be a big move going from the summer to earlier, and then also TPC coming in March because, you know, Florida, you're going to get some temperamental weather there in March. The winds are going to be blowing. Uh, you might, you're going to catch some cold weather in the morning. So that's going to toughen up that golf course, uh, there in March, um, you know, and instead of being in May. So that's going to be, uh, interesting to see how TPC plays. It'll probably be firmer too, a little drier that time of year. Um, I think it'll be good to have the majors kind of grouped a little closer together though, instead of kind of waiting to the end of the year for the PGA. 
So guys will be able to stay on their game and maybe be able to get a little more momentum, you know, going into all the big tournaments at the same time. And Donnie, looking ahead to next week's Ryder Cup matches, what do you expect to see from the matches over in France? I said, well, I've seen some of the big bleachers that they have there, the structures that are built, especially the one on the first tee. And there's going to be some massive crowds out there. And, you know, 80% of it's going to be European, so maybe 85%. So there's going to be a lot of noise out there. Uh, luckily, I would say the U.S. has assembled probably the strongest team I've ever seen for a Ryder Cup. Uh, these guys that are, you know, playing now so strong can overpower golf courses. And, you know, strongest team ever, but also the Europeans, you know, they have some hot players, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, the guys are going to be on their home turf over there. They're going to have already adjusted to the time change of being over there for two weeks versus our guys coming over, you know, and only having maybe four or five days to adjust. So between the home field advantage, the time change advantage. You know, I think it's probably going to be a pretty close match, but I think, I think the U.S. will edge them out this year. Donnie, Jim Furyk was certainly right in picking Tiger. It was the right move for him to do it. He's playing so well right now. But Tiger is 13-14-2 all-time in Ryder Cup matches. Now, very good in singles, 4-1-1, but in foursomes and four-ball, 9-13-1. Is that a result of Tiger never being a good driver of the golf ball? I mean, other guys aren't as good as recovery shots as he is. So, you know, if he's driving the ball and putting people in harder positions, they they aren't as good as he is as, you know, recovering and getting back up and down and that sort of thing as Tiger is. Or is it the pressure of being, you know, paired alongside of Tiger? What do you think it is? Why do guys struggle when they're paired with him? Yeah, I think it is a little bit the pressure. Uh, it was always a little different playing with Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods. So all of a sudden, you're, even though he, he's your partner, you know, it may be a little more difficult to play your own game because, you know, you're going to be in the marquee, uh, grouping. You're going to be playing against the best players on the other side, probably. And, uh, there is extra pressure with that. Plus, um, you know, you maybe, maybe you didn't get a chance to play with Tiger a lot during the year, too. He's always in the, you know, last couple groups or so. But I think it's, I think a lot of it is the pressure. A uh, little bit circumstance, but, uh, I always thought that, you know, you give Tiger 10 Ryder Cups or 12 Ryder Cups, he's going to come out with a pretty good winning record by the end. So we'll see if he, uh, kind of gets on the good side of it after this year's match. Donnie, beyond golf, one of the things we have in common is our affection for NASA and space exploration. I saw you retweeted today the tweet from SpaceX about their reusable rockets and their spacecraft and Elon Musk announcing their first civilian trip to the moon coming in around 2023. So are you excited? Are you looking forward to the idea that people will be able to travel to and from the moon before too long? I think that's going to be absolutely amazing because Elon's going to have high definition cameras on there too so you'll be able to sit on your big screen and kind of watch the adventure that uh, the japanese billionaire is going to be able to experience along with his but he's i think he's taking eight painters with him to be able right. to paint you know um illustrations just think how much those are going to be worth that's going to be so cool to have original art from a trip where you're flying the bfr around the moon you know, being able to do these kind of paintings and be able to see it on high high definition. So I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see it myself. I I'll, I'll save you a ticket for the liftoff. We should watch the uh, 
We should watch the launch whenever it is. Yeah. Come down to Florida. I will absolutely do that. Please. I yeah, look forward yeah. to that. Okay. Donnie, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can follow you online and over social media as well. Dad, just go to Twitter probably, at Donnie Hammond. Uh, with IE on the Donnie. So I like to have some fun on Twitter and keep up, and that's probably the best thing. Uh, if I happen to have a good tournament, I'll I'll put it up there. So I'll keep you guys up to date with the tour school and some things here toward the end of the year. But uh, still loving golf, still, still at it, and hopefully um, shoot some good scores here in the next month or so. Well, we're certainly sending good karma your way, Donnie. I hope you play well. I hope you get back out on the Champions Tour next season. Really looking forward to following you and and watching you continue your success out on the Champions Tour. Well, thanks, Chris. Donnie, take care. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to having you back on the show again real soon. It's always a great time when you're a part of a segment here on Next on the Tee. Best of luck. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Donnie. Thanks. That is Donnie Hammond. And folks, send good karma his way. We're looking forward to following Donnie and seeing him back out on the Champions Tour. He's one of the great people you get to meet in this life. So send him all the good karma that you can. And we look forward to having Donnie back on the show again real soon.